Good evening, and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptaw. C70 is bat at C70 on Twitter. Tara, who is usually with me, is out this week, but I've got Mike Bauer. You can find him on Twitter at Mike underscore Bauer. Um, he's going to fill in tonight. And Mike, how are you? I'm doing well, Daniel. It's a, a nice Easter weekend. It's a little a little rainy outside. I think it's it's probably an indication of how the Cardinals pitching was today. But all in all, it was a it was a nice holiday weekend. I've got a I've got a four day weekend coming up, so I, I actually have tomorrow off and uh, nice to nice relaxing weekend ahead of me. That's great. That's a that's a nice way. You've got tomorrow off just like the Cardinals do. So exactly, um, yeah. You know. You, uh, uh, however, we should note you do not work for the team. I just want people to know this. No, I do. I am not. I am not a Cardinals employee. They do not. They do not value my expertise enough to have me on the payroll. Uh, it's a uh, join the club. So, um, so again, the Cardinals go into Milwaukee um, and split the the series. Kind of had a chance. Had a chance today after a, a rough start to maybe go ahead and and win the series. Didn't happen, but I think. You know, when you go after beating Pittsburgh and Kansas City to step up in class, as you were, and, and go into Milwaukee and play them, you know, to a draw, to basically, you got to feel good about that. Yeah, I, I think you do. And uh, I, I think it's – I saw someone on Twitter describe today's game. We're recording this on Sunday, the 6-5 to five loss to Milwaukee and the series as a frustrating yet resilient outing, I think is a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they fell behind uh, after a while. They Dakota Hudson ran into trouble early. But uh, I think I think you'll you'll happy with your you'd like to see them win that series, given the opportunities that they had. But I also think it was I believe it was Jack Buck or maybe it was Tony LaRusso who once said that the key to a division title is to take two at home and split on the road. So with that's exactly what the Cardinals have done so far. You know, they, they take two out of three from Pittsburgh early on. They split with Kansas City in a range shortened series and then. They come up to Milwaukee, their chief competition for the division, and they play well, all things considered. All, all four games, pr- pretty much, I think they were up to the task and had their shots to win today. Just walks came back to bite them. But all in all, I think you, I think most people would be pretty happy with where the Cardinals are right now a week into the season. Yeah, I mean, sitting at the top of the NL Central, a half game up on the Cubs, which okay and half came up on the pirates which is crazy um and then now a game clear of the brewers um you know obviously this is very early going and the cardinals do have the two rainouts that the other teams don't necessarily have but yeah i think you like what you've seen so far um and this offense boy this is going to be an offense that's going to be pretty interesting all year long it feels like a, a team that you know, even today I was watching it with my dad at it, you know, out at their house, uh, watching the end of it. I didn't miss the, I missed the burly parts, but you know, they got down six to three and you thought, well, the Brewers, you know, they got Devin Williams. They got Josh Hader. This is, this is pretty much over. And this team battled and scrapped and it's a lineup that I think can put up runs on just about anybody. I mean, you don't want to go down two or three in the ninth against somebody, but overall, if there's a little bit of room, they've got a chance to come back. Yeah, and and I I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I believe it. And granted, you know, very small sample size and two thirds of the competition that they faced has not been very good. So take that into consideration. But as we sit here in mid-April, I think the Cardinals have one of, if not the best offenses in all of baseball right now. And I know that going to the season, there was there were people who were you know concerned about you know Tommy Edmond being an everyday player. He's got three home runs already. There were you know concerns about. 
what Paul DeYoung was going to look like at shortstop, whether he could have a bounce back year. They didn't, they didn't really do anything, you know, of substance, at least that what we thought to upgrade the offense outside of, you know, the Pujols and Dickerson signings at DH, but this is a pretty deep lineup that can hurt you in a lot of different ways. I think the top half of the lineup is really good. And even yesterday's game, they won 10 to one, something like that. The, the top half of the lineup didn't even do that well, and they still scored 10 runs. So the offense I, is the least of my concerns with this team. And, you know, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day after, after the Brewers had a first uh, run through their rotation that went kind of sideways that, the difference between Milwaukee and St. Louis for me right now is I think that for all the questions we have about the Cardinals rotation and for the low floor and even the low ceiling that that rotation very well may have, mm-hmm. I think this offense is going to be good enough to keep them in contention. I really don't see any other offense, at least in the National League Central, that comes close to what the Cardinals have right now. Whereas the Brewers, I, I just there really isn't a whole lot of there really isn't a whole lot in their lineup that scares me right now. And I think the same can be said with, you know, the Cubs and the Reds and the Pirates. And so if the Brewers rotation cannot duplicate what they did last year, their season could go up in flames quickly. Whereas if the Cardinals run into problems, yeah, that's not ideal, but you you can still feel good about what the offense is going to put out there and possibly put up, you know, four or five, six runs a game to keep you in contention. Yeah. Yeah. Right now looking at OPS, uh, Cardinals are fourth in the in the baseball. Ironically, the Cubs are first, surprisingly <laughs> enough, in their early early going. Um, but yeah, the Cardinals fourth, seven eighty five. The Brewers are twenty fourth at six twenty six. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of difference. And the Brewers have played you know ten games to the Cardinals um, eight. So yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, we know that a good pitching staff can carry an offense because we saw it in 2015, if nothing mm-hmm. else. But if you can put an, you know, I think you'd rather have a really good offense and a fairly decent pitching staff rather than a, just a dominant pitching staff and no offense whatsoever. And I guess we'll put that theory to the test a little bit, but I think you're right. I think the Cardinals have a chance to, there's enough weak teams in this division, especially you're going to be able to beat up on teams and stay within shouting distance, if nothing else. And pitching, you know, often you can find somewhere. I mean, Cardinals did that last year. So, you know, come close to the tread deadline, they can add a piece or two and make this team even better. Whereas Milwaukee might have to try to find a hitter or two. And that's a different scenario. Exactly. And I think I think the lineup that the Cardinals have right now, barring severe injury to any of their starters, I think it's pretty well set. And unless things go sideways, I don't I don't really see a scenario in which I think they'll have to add to the lineup per se. But now, of course, Mm -hmm. they could have to add to the rotation if, you know, the, the concerns about, you know, the starting five turn out to be true. But we, you know, we, we mentioned earlier that the Cardinals have, you know, padded their stats somewhat early in the season by beating up on, you know, Pittsburgh and Kansas City, two bad teams. Mm-hmm. But even over the course of this full season ahead of us, they're going to get a chance to beat up on lots of bad teams. They've got lots of games against the Pirates, the Reds, the Royals. They'll face the Orioles at some point. Then they're going to have, you know, mm-hmm. the Diamondbacks and the Marlins, that, you know, yet to come to town. So it's not just this small sample size. It's the Cardinals have a good opportunity in front of themselves to, you know, bank some wins against teams that you would figure aren't going to be very good. And especially in their own division, you you look at the NL Central, 
three quarters of the Cardinals division competition figures to be below average, if not way below average. And so if they can just handle their business against bad teams, like they've done in the very early part of this season, I think their chances at, you know, being right there in the thick of things come playoff time looks pretty good. Yeah. Especially with expanded playoffs. It really, I mean, people can get hurt. People, things can happen, but you know, if you look at it right the way it is right now, this team's going to be very, very dangerous and kind of a lot of fun to watch. I mean, not the pitching duels aren't fun because I really enjoy, you know, a good pitching game, but it's also fun to know that there's not a spot in this lineup that's this automatic out. I mean, we've had that in fact, you know, you know, in the, the past years, you know, even the people that are struggling right now, you know, Paul DeYoung is not hitting like we'd like him to, and he's still kind of, you know, had those struggles, but I don't feel like, he's the automatic out that he was a couple of, you know, the last couple of years. Maybe that's just me a a selective sample of what I've seen out of him, but it feels like, you know, at two strikes last year, he was out. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't feel quite like that now. And maybe that means there's a chance for him to turn around. Maybe not. And they'll have to figure something else out, but it's a little bit different when he at least put the ball in play. No, I I really like Paul's approach at the plate this year. He looks like a more disciplined hitter and, you know, I don't, I'm not expecting him to be, you know, the catalyst of this offense or anything like that. But if he can just be even an average hitter, as long as he's still giving you above average defense, I think the Cardinals are going to be pretty happy with that. And then of course you can spell him with, you know, Sosa or potentially another corner infielder like Gorman or Edmund, depending on, you know, excuse me, roster construction. And right now, like, like you said, Daniel, there really aren't a whole lot of automatic outs in this offense. Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised at what Andrew Kisner has been doing at the plate. Mm-hmm. He looks like a much better hitter right now than he was last year. And honestly, two guys that seem to me to have gotten off to the slow starts right now, which really isn't that unusual, are Dylan Carlson and Paul Goldschmidt. And we know Paul Goldschmidt is traditionally a, a really slow starter. He heats up as the year goes on. So I'm sure he's going to hit. He's the least of my concerns right now. And I'm still expecting Dylan Carlson to take a big step forward this year. I'm not surprised that it, you know he hasn't shown like MVP flashes this early in the season. But once those two guys can get going, I really think that there's there really isn't anybody in the National League that this team cannot hit with on a night in night out basis. So I mean, you can line them up however you want. And even even now, we mentioned this before we started recording that. Albert Pujols, I think, looks way better than any reasonable person expected him to look, and maybe that's just a maybe that's an early taste of Cardinals devil magic. But if he can give you the kind of production that he's given the Cardinals against left-handed pitching already, then that adds in even another element to this lineup that makes him even more dangerous. Yeah, I mean, Pujols again has only played in four games, um, but one point one four five OPS, two home runs, and I gotta say, when the, there's whole talk about you know, can he get to 700? I was like, no, there's no way he's going to get to 700. He's limited at bats, blah, 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 blah. It's just not, it's not the same Albert. Two home runs in the first week of, of play. I, I don't, I still don't think he's going to get to you know 21 that he needs, but it's not out of the realm of possibility, is it? No. I mean, we could, and especially if the Cardinals for some reason get out of the race or some reason get a large lead in the race come September, he may play every day just trying to get those kind of records. I think so too. And I, when the Cardinals signed Pujols, I, I thought, okay, you know, 700 would be nice. I, I highly doubt he's going to get that in a park that actively suppresses right-handed power. Mm-hmm. And considering that the Cardinals just aren't going to face that many lefties in 2022, I thought, okay, well, it'd be nice if it happens. I'm not counting on it, but 
I mean, two home runs already in the first week of play. And he looks, I, I, this is a very, you know, analytical take on things, but when he gets into one, he really does look like the Albert of old, like we, against his home run against Kansas city, that looked like a vintage Albert swing and a vintage Albert drive. And when he connects, he just drives it and you can hear it throughout the park. And it was the same, no doubter today in Milwaukee. So honestly, with, with what I've seen out of him compared to how Corey Dickerson has looked in the very early going, we might get into a situation where instead of just platooning Albert against left-handed pitching exclusively, the Cardinals might want to play him a little bit more and get him more at bats. And if that happens, then of course his chances of getting to 700 all get even better. And again, I'm not counting on that happening. If I had to bet on it, I think I still think he would come up just a little bit short, but he does not look like the Albert Pujols, who was a below average player with the angels just a couple years ago. I think he's found something in his swing again. And I think he's a little more, invigorated to be back in St. Louis and to finish his career here. And no matter what the season holds for the Cardinals, I think that we could expect to see a more, an Albert Pujols that won't be exactly like the player we were used to seeing in St. Louis, but something closer to that than what we had on the angels. There's got to be something also to just having fun, right? I mean, I got to feel like those last couple of years in Anaheim, not that he didn't like the people that he was with and not that he didn't have relationships and all that kind of stuff, but it just got, had to wear on himself because they weren't ever in contention. He, you know, it was a league that he still was a little bit of a foreigner to just because, I mean, I know he'd been there for eight or nine years, but it's still different than the league you came up in um, to be able to come back to St. Louis, to be in an area that he, you know, still dearly loved to be with friends of his that are, you know, like family, um, and to be in a, a competitive situation, all of that, it just has to be a lot more fun. I mean, he's obviously having fun coming to the ballpark. He's warming up pitchers. Um, you know, <laughs> what he was doing what Friday night, uh, yeah. warming up pitchers, uh, you know, partly because Yachty was not feeling great. But, uh, you know, partly because he just, you know, it's Albert Pujols. If Albert Pujols wants to warm up pitchers, who's going to tell him no? No. <laughs> and honestly, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying, Daniel, with, you know, him not really having fun on the Angels. And it's I, I don't think anybody could have predicted, even people who were, you know, so jaded that he left St. Louis in the first place. I don't think anybody could have predicted, you know, what was going how his career was going to unfold in Anaheim because he gets mm-hmm. there. And not only was that team never in contention, they made the playoffs one time when he was there and didn't win a single playoff game. They were swept away by Kansas City in 2014, if I'm not mistaken. But he got there right at the same time that Mike Trout came to the league. So he was never there was never really a situation in which he was the face of the team. Right. And then, you know, you have Otani coming up a, a few years down the road. And in spite of all that, the team that he was on wasn't necessarily – it was never really the top team in Los Angeles either because the Dodgers were getting all the attention. So he's – He's not really. He wasn't really playing well. On top of all that, and then you throw in the fact that he's no longer the face of the team. He's on a bad team, and he's reaching these milestones, but he's doing it almost in relative obscurity. And mm-hmm. when he's used, when he was used to being a superstar in the first, you know, ten years of his career in St. Louis, to go from that to kind of an afterthought on an afterthought of a team in the Angels, that has to wear on him. And now. He, you see, you saw a little more, you know, 
skip in his step, I would say, when he went to the Dodgers for the end of last right. year. But yeah. once he comes back to St. Louis, a player, a, a city where rather he is practically a demigod among the general public, <laughs> to where he's reunited with his best friend, with his old teammate, and you know Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, knowing that this is his the final year of his career. He doesn't have anything to prove to anyone and to be back in a place where he clearly loved playing the first time around. I mean, it was a business decision that he had to leave among all else, Mm -hmm. but to be back there and to kind of bury the hatchet or reconcile any, you know, past differences that he may have had with the organization. I think there's something to be said for that, giving him, you know, an extra spark at the plate or an extra, you know, skipping a step when he comes to the ballpark. And I think, I think we're seeing that early. I really hope it continues into the rest of the season, but just to see him back in a Cardinals uniform, I think it, it's it brings a smile to my face, no matter no matter what happens from here on out. Yeah, but we we want it to be good. I mm-hmm. mean, we, we'll accept it if it's bad, but we want it to be good. Oh and yeah, so of course. That's yeah. that's uh, to be able to at least have a, a first week or so that looks good is it kind of gives you, let you breathe a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I heard John Rooney on the um, broadcast. I think I've heard him say this before, but I heard him this week saying he should have known that Tony La Russa was retiring after 2011 because he was having so much fun um, because that was not what Tony did. You know, Tony was very <laughs> yeah. intense, but once he had made up his mind to, to go out, he, you know, he just enjoyed the moment. And that's, that does seem to be what Albert's doing. And it's a lot of fun. If nothing else, it's a lot of fun. This, this team feels like a team that's got a lot of, goofy personalities it really does. that are just playing playing loose i mean and that's you know the old guard with you know wainwright and molina Pujols, but you got you know bader's always been a guy that's kind of just been <laughs> kind of eccentric kind of out there mm-hmm. um and these other guys i mean you got paul Goldschmidt. he might smile every once in a while but you know <laughs> all these other it just it, it does feel like if chemistry means anything and i think it means something um that's in their corner as well yeah, and I think we could see and think back to last year where 75% of the 2021 season was not a fun time for this Cardinals mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. But you could tell, and you can especially tell during the win streak, that these guys truly enjoyed playing with each other. And they were having they would have fun going to the ballpark. They would have fun playing the game. And there was a genuine camaraderie and a genuine good vibe in that clubhouse. This is basically that same team, even though there's a new manager at the helm. And now you throw in someone like Albert Pujols, who even, even though his, his prime has been years ago, the young players still respect him and they still look up to him. And we know that Nolan Arenado has to be just giddy to be on the same team as Albert yeah, Pujols. Right. And he's looked up to for years. When you throw in that element, I mean, everybody likes to focus on like, you know, how things work from a baseball perspective, you know, what can Albert could, Uh, give to this team from like the designated hitter but it's hard to quantify what someone like him can bring to the clubhouse and a team that plays loose and a team that you know genuinely enjoys being around one another and enjoys you know coming to the ballpark together that can lead to that can create a dangerous team for its opponents and if this kind of chemistry goes sustains the rest of the way I, I think there's something to be said for that and maybe, and I know I've been vocally critical of, you know, the Cardinals offseason, and I still think that they should have done more to add to the rotation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we, can, we can have that discussion all we want, but I, I will say that 
there may be a possibility that the front office didn't want to disrupt this roster too much by bringing in other players who may not mesh with the clubhouse. And if they really feel like they've got a good group of guys here who play well together and work well together, I mean, the old saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So if they are that confident in this clubhouse chemistry, maybe they don't want to mess with that much. I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah. And we'll see if that's a, if that's the right call. And it, very well may be, um, you know, that, that said, chemistry only goes you so far. you got to have the yeah. talent to do it. Yeah. And, and that seems to be what it, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I, I do want to talk about the pitching, but there's one more thing about Albert. I was thinking about this today. How crazy was it? He gets up there in the, what was it, the eighth inning, I guess, against Devin Williams. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. Devin Williams is a guy from St. Louis. Yeah. A guy that was, if I looked it up right, he was like five or six when Albert started playing. So he grew up, you know, idolizing Albert Pujols, right? And now he has to face him, you know, in the eighth inning of a game that, you know, that means something. And it's probably not a surprise that he walked him, um, you know, because it was... You can't train for a situation like that, yeah. though. Like, you, I mean, I was telling my, my sister today that, you know... She was saying, well, I mean, how are they not so nervous? And I say, well, they, you know, they practice this scenario a million times in spring training. These are professional athletes and you learn to tune out a lot of noise. But I don't think that, especially considering that the signing happened relatively close to opening day, mm-hmm. I don't think you can really prepare someone for the scenario of stepping into the box against their idol. Right, And so Devin Williams has pitched against who knows how many people throughout his baseball career. And if I'm not mistaken, this was his first time facing Albert Pujols. And if that, if that was the case, to see Albert Pujols not just in the box but in a Cardinals uniform, yeah, it's not a surprise that he walked him because I, I don't know what I would have done in that scenario. I mean, my, I have no command in general, so I probably right. would have walked anybody. Just get up there, don't swing the bat. But – to, to see that, that has to mess with Devin's psyche, I would say. Just lucky he didn't wet his pants, I think, yeah. to some degree. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that is, yeah. That's, and I mean, to be fair, Devin Williams had a rough inning anyway. He did, um, yeah. So it wasn't all that, but, you know, mm-hmm. that had to play a little bit of a role. Oh, yeah. Um, the Cardinals, you know, we did see their second turn through the rotation. Still haven't seen Jordan Hicks make a start. We did have seen him in relief a couple times. Um I think more than anything, we got a chance to see Miles Michaelis and Steven Matz kind of redeem themselves a little bit from their first starts. Mm-hmm. Um, did it make you feel a little bit better? I mean, did you do you breathe a little bit easier seeing a good start out of those guys? Yes, yes and no. Uh, I, to, I mean, for one, yes, it's nice to see both of them bounce, bounce back, Michaelis especially, and then Matz had another good outing this weekend. So, I mean, you will absolutely take both of those outings mm-hmm. out of those guys anytime you can get them. I mean, that being said, though, I still think the Cardinals are going into this season with far too... And this was the case before Jack Flaherty got hurt, in my opinion. Mm. I still think they're going into this season with far too much risk in this rotation. I think once you look back past Adam Wainwright, and again, we're, we're talking about a guy who can only count, who can only defy father time for so long. Right. Once you get past Adam Wainwright, you, you would have Jack Flaherty, who is not healthy at this point, but even when he has has been you know there's been some injury history there so you you don't really know how reliable he is at this point once you get past those two pitchers you've had miles michaelis who hasn't been healthy or effective since his first season in st louis 
you have Dakota Hudson, who's coming off of, Deco- of Tommy John's surgery and hasn't really been anything more than a fourth or fifth starter since he's been here. And then you have Steven Matz, who they're really counting on his last season with Toronto being a sign of things to come and not just an anomaly. And we have to wonder, is he closer to the pitcher he was with the Mets where he had a limited ceiling as like a, maybe a middle of the rotation guy and a more low floor pitcher. This rotation has way more questions than answers. And I think I, I was, I was skeptical of the Steven Matt signing. I think the defense behind him and the park that he's pitching in will help him out somewhat. And I think that the Cardinals have the infield defense to perfectly support a ground ball heavy staff like this. They have probably the most ground ball heavy staff in the majors, but I'm, I hope the front office realizes that if this experiment doesn't work and if this backfires, they need to be prepared to act quickly, much quicker than they normally would because they can't just with the margin for error that they have in this division, as small as it is, they can't just count on things just working out like they did with, you know, John Lester and Jay Happ last year where they just, you know, go through, you know, the, the cheat bin at Walmart happen to find two capable pitchers and the, the defense helps them out. They can't count on that happening again. So if we're getting into late May or early June and the pitching staff is still, the starting rotation is struggling, they have to be prepared to act quickly. And so I'm, I've got my fingers crossed. I'm cautiously optimistic that what we saw out of Michaelis and Matt's this weekend is a sign of things to come, but I'm still going to need to see more starts out of them before I try to jump to any more conclusions. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely fair um, because of, of the track record that these guys have and because what else, else is going on. Now, I guess the good thing is if Jack Flaherty is back on a, on this kind of, and we still don't know his timetable, but if he can be back in like mid-May, then mm-hmm. if somebody's struggling by that point, you can swap him in and you know then let that ride for four or five weeks, see how that goes. And then by that time, you're getting into that trade deadline you know, ballpark of at least starting to discuss things. So, you know, as long as they don't have a May like they had last year when everything went to heck and then they still didn't do anything to shore things up, you should be okay. But I agree with you. I think that they've got to be actively looking. And if for some reason somebody comes available, you know, a little earlier, then they need to be ready to pounce on it. Uh, It's hard to imagine the Cardinals doing that. But, you know... They're gonna. They think they're gonna have to because they, again, as we continue to talk about these, you know, these legends. I mean, they want these guys to have their best shot at at least a de- at least getting to October and then deeply into October. I mean, ideally, they'd like to reward them with a World Series title at the end of it. To do that, they're gonna need to, you know, look at these weaknesses and do something about them in a you know timely manner, not just hope that everything works out at the end. Exactly. And with that in mind, I I think there needs to be an added incentive to be aggressive in the trade market or the waiver wire if it comes to that uh, for this front office, knowing that if the season goes well and if we get into July and the Cardinals are leading the NL Central and they're chasing Atlanta or the Dodgers or whoever for that top spot in the National League, there needs to be more pressure on them to be aggressive in those markets and try to send these legends out with the ring that they deserve. Now, everything we know about how the Cardinals operate tells us that that probably won't happen because 
if, if they operated any differently, they would have been more aggressive in the winter, but they weren't. Mm-hmm. But if we get into a situation where things are going well for this organization, but pitching still remains a question, there needs to be more pressure on John Mazalock and Michael Gersh to add to this rotation when situations like that become available. Because I fear that if they stay the course, if they become too you know content with where things are, that it could come back to bite them because the, like I mentioned earlier, the margin for error for this rotation is thin and it was on thin ice before Jack Flaherty got hurt. And even if Jack does come back early, like, like we're, it's kind of looking at, it looks like the timetable for his return is looking somewhat optimistic, like mid, mid, May, mid to late May. I still think they need to be more aggressive. And I still think that this rotation needs another starting pitcher besides Michaelis or Hudson or Matz before you can start talking about this team as a true World Series contender. I think the offense is there. We know that this is an elite defense, and I think the bullpen will be fine too. My question remains in the starting rotation, and if they would just add another starter, I would feel so much better about this team's chances of making a deep run in October, and I just hope that they understand what that weakness is, and I hope that they act on it if it becomes necessary come trade deadline time. You preempted my next question there, though. I was going to ask you what you thought about the bullpen. Um, overall, it it seems like it's been pretty good. I don't think yeah. we've, I mean, we've had a couple of bumps in the road, but for the most part, even, you know, names that we know, names that we're just getting to know, it feels pretty good so far. Again, small sample size. Yeah, I, I think I think the back end of the rotation is, is pretty well set. And it's going to depend partially on how they decide to use Jordan Hicks and how how long the Jordan Hicks as an opener experiment will work. But if they keep him in the back of the rotation, let's just, for argument's sake, let's say that's what they do. Once they get to the seventh or eighth inning and you have someone like Hicks and then, you know, McFarland or Cabrera in the eighth and then Gallegos in the ninth, I think that's a pretty solid setup. My concern is with how guys like Cody Whitley and Nick Whitgren drew... Uh, Verhagen and then Jake Woodford in mop-up duty, how those guys would be able to stabilize things on the front end of the bullpen. Now, bullpens are inherently volatile, so there's going to be ups and downs throughout the season, but the back end of the rotation, or the back end of the bullpen, excuse me, I still think is solid. I, I Knowing how the Cardinals operate, I would expect them to probably add another reliever or two from the waiver wire or possibly from the trade deadline because you know they they love to do things like that, but my, con- my main concern, like I said earlier, is more with the starting rotation than the bullpen. I think the bullpen can hold its own if necessary. I think the offense will score enough runs to get you in contention. But my concern is how long the starting rotation can hold up. How long can Adam Wainwright carry this load? When will Jack Flaherty be ready? Things like that. But mm-hmm. the bullpens, I mean, it's not perfect, but I- I'm more faithful in the back end than I would say the front end of the bullpen. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um I like what Helsley has done so far. Uh, yes. It really mm-hmm. seems like he has taken up a, another step, mm-hmm. um, which was good. To, not that he wasn't, I mean, I always thought he was good. He's always been good, but, you know, he's really seemed to come back from that injury even better. He's got uh, a good fastball. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which very, very helpful in the major leagues. Yeah. So I hear. Uh, and, and then Cody Whitley has kind of picked up. I mean, he still hasn't allowed a run since I think like last August or something mm-hmm. of that nature. Um, so he's kind of picked up where he left off, you know, here in a, what, two weeks, they're going to have to make some decisions because the roster shuts down. And I, 
assume, you know, Polante goes down and I'm not sure what else, you know, sometimes baseball figures that out yeah. you know, with injuries or something. But um, yeah, I, I really think that, yeah, you get to the sixth of the lead right now. You feel pretty good about it. It's just, mm-hmm. you got to make sure you get there. Yeah. Before we wrap it up tonight, I want to give you the hard question. Okay. Um, we talked about how this offense was looking good and it's really feeling strong. Then you've got at Memphis, Nolan Gorman, Alec Burleson, Juan Yepes, Brendan Donovan, all really kind of tearing the cover off the ball, but especially Gorman and Yepes. Six home runs for Gorman already, five for Yepes. Can the Cardinals keep them in Memphis? And if they can't, how do they get them into this team with an offense that already is fairly clicking? Well, I don't think they're going to be able to keep them in Memphis, particularly in Gorman's case, for much longer. Gorman is off to a a blazing start in Memphis as we speak. And I think that if if that keeps happening, like, I mean, you just said in the last segment that baseball kind of figures these things out. I think Mm -hmm. it's going to come to a situation where they're just going to have to call one of these guys up, be it Gorman or Yepes or someone else, and at least have them DH and and maybe Corey Dickerson spot at this with, you know, the slow start that Dickerson's gotten off to, but I would like to see, I, I, I thought going into the off season that Gorman had kind of an outside shot of making the team outside of spring training. I'm mildly surprised that he didn't, but I would still like to see a platoon of Gorman and Tommy Edmond at second base. I think that would be a, a great matchup uh, weapon for Oliver Marmol to use. Uh, but if those guys keep hitting the ball the way that they are, and if Yepes keeps hitting the ball the way that he is, I really don't think that you're doing them much of a service by keeping them down in Memphis against AAA pitching. I think the next step in their development has to be putting them to real games and seeing how they do, even if it's just temporarily. But I would be looking to call up Gorman and seeing... It, it looks like he's... I, I My prediction with Gorman is that he's going to be up sooner rather than later. I think that the jury is still out on you know Donovan and those other guys, but I would, I would really like to see a Gorman-Edmund platoon at second. I would like to see... If if situation allows for it, Yep has up for maybe Dickerson spot at DH. Uh, but if, even if the offense is clicking, I don't think there's the Cardinals are going to be doing themselves any harm by adding those guys to the lineup and making it all the deeper. Because like we've talked about earlier, this pitching staff is still shaky. So you might have a situation where you need to add more to the offense to you know keep yourself in contention to win these games. But I, I think I think it's these guys can only stay down in Memphis for so long before you basically have to call them up and, you know, just figure it out from there. Yeah, it may be true. I I do think the one thing about the new and the new, I think they've done it last year as well, um, schedule with the minor leagues is you play the same team for six games in a row. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I kind of would like to see a couple more series. I mean, he, he had a really good week this week, you know, but it's playing the same play pool in the same ballpark, you know, let's, get a few more, but you're right. If he, if he keeps us up over, you know, the rest of April, yeah, it becomes much more difficult to try to figure out, you know, and they've got more advanced, they've got more reports and stats and they know, sure. you know, tendencies and things like that. But from the layman's perspective, it becomes a lot more difficult to see why he's not being called up, especially if somebody like Tommy Edmonds started to struggle. Now that's not the case right now. Like you said, you know, three home runs already is, a lot more than I think anybody expected out of Tommy Edmund so far. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right now there's not a, a glaring need, but at some point in time there may be, and you want to have him ready to go. So, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, the reason I say uh, I, the reason I say I would think I would prefer to see Gorman up sooner is because, in spite of his hot start right now, I still don't view Tommy Edmond as an everyday player. Mm-hmm. I think he's a useful player. Obviously, he's right. got a good glove. He's got some speed. He he hits lefties well, but I I don't think he has any business being in the leadoff spot. And I'm glad that Marmol has moved him down to the lineup where he can be more effective. But you know, we saw last year that he just wasn't giving you a whole lot down the stretch from that leadoff spot. So if he can platoon with someone like Nolan Gorman at second, I think this really opens up that offense to a degree and can, and can allow someone like Edmund to be used as like a, a pinch runner or a pinch hitter if need be late in games. But uh, I, I think that we've, we've basically, and again, like you said, the, the Cardinals have more data on this than you and I do. I'm, I'm just a casual fan from the bleachers, but I've seen what I need to see out of Gorman from the minor league perspective. I'd like to see him against true big league pitching at this point, but time will tell when that when that time actually comes all right well you know it's been a fun week it's Mm -hmm. been a fun last half hour i've been enjoyed talking with you mike and i thank you for filling in we'll have to do it again sometime yeah thank you so much for having me daniel it's been a while since i've been in the uh the cardinals podcasting business but uh it's it's nice to be talking cardinals baseball again i'm i was worried uh about a month ago that we weren't going to have an opportunity to do this but i'm just yeah I'm, I'm glad that we've got a 162-game season to talk about, and I look forward to doing this with you again soon. Yep. Well, we will have to do it. So yeah. uh, until next time, I believe – I don't know if Tara will join me next week, but if not, we'll have a show. We'll have somebody else fill in her shoes as much as they can. But until then, for Mike, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.